Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Amen. Last week we began this new series called Cliché. Cliché is a phrase or opinion that is overused and betrays a lack of original, of, uh, of original thought. Um, we often use cliches to bring some kind of resolution to a situation that has no logical explanation at all. And, and what I've noticed through the years growing up in church, I've been a part of church my entire life, born into a pastor's home. And so can you imagine how many spiritual cliches I've heard in my lifetime? Uh, and, and, and here's what I've noticed. Christians are the worst at offering our spiritual cliches. We are. We're the worst about it. And, and, and this month, we are looking at some Christian cliches that, as innocent as they may seem, are not quite theologically sound. And so last week, we looked at the phrase, everything happens for a reason, and how it relates to Romans 8 and 28. And I, and I told you that life is just full of cliches. Every day we run into these cliches. And so I want to share some with you, and surely you've heard these. If you know them, say it back with me, okay? Here we go. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's right. How about this one? Do you know this one? Every cloud has, every cloud has a sil silver lining. Or if, if life is tough, then you've got to take the bull by the horns. There you go. See, we hear these every day and we use them. And some of you, since last week, you've been noticing how often you bring up cliches in your conversations and you're catching yourself. And, and, and I like it. I like it because it, it helps us to grow in our intelligence. Uh, I mean, even if we're not growing spiritually, at least we're not saying the same thing over and over and over and our vocabulary is growing, right? Okay. You're not convinced of that, but uh, here we go. There's a teacher in our church that uh, shared with me this past week about a student that was complaining about having to read and study Shakespeare. And when asked why he didn't care for the writings of Shakespeare, the student responded with, I don't see what is so great about him. He only writes in cliches. Little did he know that Shakespeare is the reason why we have so many of our cliches. Phrases like this, all that glitters is not gold. Of course, we all know that that is from the Merchant of Venice. I mean, we know that's from that play, right? Yeah, of course we did. You know, th this little phrase that we often use, for goodness sake, Shakespeare penned that with, with Henry VIII. I mean, when the, the play Henry VIII. And, and, and this one, I like this one. I've used this one many times. It was Greek to me. Shakespeare used that in, in his play, Julius Caesar. And, and then when, when, when someone has got themselves in, in a mess and we would say, you're in a pickle, in a pickle. Can you believe Shakespeare used that in The Tempest? And, and then this one from Romeo and Juliet, Wild Goose Chase. And that explains a lot because we all know that chasing a woman is a wild goose chase, right? Yeah. <laughs> And it seems that Bill Shakespeare is responsible for giving us so many of our overused statements that we have used throughout our lives. And today I want to look at another spiritual cliche that Christians often use that is not theologically sound. And it's this phrase, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. I'm about to mess some of you up today. It's going to be good. In an effort to comfort those who are suffering, 
We often offer this strong claim that is very far from the truth. That God doesn't give us more than we can handle. If a person is going through a hard time, if, if we are not careful, the first thing out of our mouth would be, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And once again, this is a meaningless phrase that shuts down the conversation as we attempt to bring an, un, a, an understanding to a situation that has no logical explanation at all. We act as if God is standing at the back of the car and we're standing there with our arms open and God just keeps loading us up with grocery bag after grocery bag. And just before we're at our breaking point, just before we are about to drop everything, God just stops. And now it's our job to carry those bags from the car to the kitchen. And God knew just where to stop. He knew just where our strength level was at and so that we could make it safely to the kitchen and unload everything there. He did not give us more than we can handle. But what happens when we're walking from the car with, with all of life's grocery bags and we get almost to the kitchen and we drop the groceries that are in our hands and the eggs break and the marinara breaks and, and all of that? What, what happens? What happens? Did God give us too much to handle during that moment? Or, or to, to borrow another cliche, did God put too much on our plate? Did God simply give us too much? Because if he did, then that would be unfair of God, right? If God put too much on us that we could not handle the load, then that would be a very unfair God. And this phrase that we use derives from an often misinterpreted verse. And, and like last week, I want to concentrate just on one verse today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 and as I read this verse, I believe you're going to realize how we as Christians came up with this phrase. That God's not going to give us more than we can handle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Paul is very plain in his letter to the church in Corinth. And he tells them, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. This has nothing to do with the unmerited mishaps of life. And that's where we get confused with this. When it comes to the temptations of life, God puts a limit on what and how we are tempted. I can assure you of this, church, that there is no temptation that comes your way that God has not given you a way out of that temptation because His Word is true. He's not a man that He should lie. His Word is true, and He provides a way out of temptation. But there is a big difference between life's unmerited trials and the temptations that we face. And we may be sincere with good intentions when we say that God will not give someone more than they can handle, but unfortunately, sincerity isn't enough and it doesn't cut it when it comes to good theology. God will not give you or will not allow more temptation to be put on you than what you are able to bear. But when it comes to life's trials, I can assure you there's been many times in my life it's been too much for me to handle. 
It should not come as a surprise to us that God does not operate in fairness, at least not by our standards of fairness. I mean, through his amazing grace, God was not fair when it came to my sin. You see, often we think when something is unfair that it's always to our disadvantage. They cheated me. The refs cheated me or they cheated me out of some money. It's unfair. But, but it can go the other direction too. That there are moments in life when it's just unfair and it works in your favor. And that's how it was when it came to my sin. If, if he was a fair God, if, if that's according to our standards of fair, if he was fair, he would have dealt with me as my sins deserve. But instead, he was completely unfair and through Jesus Christ delivered me from my sin. And if you've been saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I can assure you that God dealt with your sin unfairly and did not give you what you deserved. He is an unfair God. According to our standards, God does not deal with things fairly. And God in his divine wisdom transcends our finite views of what is fair and unfair. And when it comes to God and when it comes to his actions, we cannot properly comprehend what is fair and unfair because he obviously does not live according to our standards. And when it comes to life and its trials, I've noticed that God does not operate in fairness either. Life has hardships, and we all face them. And why one person has to face more than others, I will never understand that. Not this side of heaven anyway. But one thing is certain. We all have misfortunes. We all have mishaps. We all have incidents. We all have trials. We all have troubles in this life. Have you ever noticed, though, that suffering never takes the time to ask if you're ready for it. When the trials come, when troubles come, they never ask you, are you ready for this? They just kind of come out of nowhere and they just kind of hit you. I mean, they all blindside you if you're not careful. When Mandy and I first got married, we were in our early 20s and we were ready to experience a honeymoon season. You know what that's like, right? You know, when you first get married and you're so in love with each other, the other can do no wrong during that time, right? And we were just ready. Now, understand this about us. And, and, and listen, this doesn't put me on a pedestal. It doesn't put Mandy on a pedestal. But understand this about us. We both waited until we were married. And so I'm a 20-year-old man, young man, getting married. Do you know what was on my mind? <laughs> That's right, yard work. Yard work, was the, that was what was on my mind. And, and we were ready for this honeymoon season. We were so ready for this. But it didn't last long because on our honeymoon, we're waiting in line to get on a cruise ship. And Mandy passes out. What do I do? Do I leave her there and just get on the cruise and go? You know? <laughs> Thankfully, we, we, you know, kind of brought her back to her senses somewhat. And we, we get on the cruise. But from that moment on, life was never normal for us. 
And from there, we would visit about a, over a dozen different doctors before they'd finally figure out what was going on with her. And 10 months after we were married, we found out she had cancer. It was anything but a honeymoon season. And then as soon, just as soon as the, the cancer treatments were done, we found out she was pregnant with twins. They're 20 years old now. We have never had a honeymoon season. Never. <laughs> it's it's going to happen one day, babe. I promise you it's going to happen. <laughs> After I'm dead and you're with your next husband, it's going to happen. It's going <laughs> to Tough times do not ask for your permission. They don't ask you if you're ready. They don't care if it's convenient. There is never a good time for your life to be turned upside down with life's trials and troubles. It's just, it's never a convenient time. But somehow we find comfort in the saying, God will never give us more than we can handle. And these misquoted words of wisdom are nowhere near theologically sound. And so this morning, I want to give you two fallacies with this spiritual cliche. Two fallacies. The first one is this. That God gives you the hardship. Because that's what this, this statement says. God will not give you more than you can bear, more than you can handle. And when we say that, we're saying that God gives you the hardship. I want to piggyback on last week and remind you that your loving heavenly father does not bombard your life with troubles. The enemy of your soul does. Satan. Satan is the one that bombards your life with these troubles. Your God, your Savior, your God gives good and perfect gifts. He does not curse you. He does not tempt you. And when you allow him to, he will bless you. But he does not put these hardships on you. But we cannot ignore the fact that there are times when we know that he will lift the hedge of protection from our lives and allow the enemy to attack. In the Old Testament, we watch this happen with Job. Job chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Job was a righteous man. It says that he was blameless and upright. And one day, the enemy comes before the presence of God and in conversation with God, which is just mind-boggling to me, how, how does that happen? How does Satan get to talk to God? I mean, all that happens. But in conversation with God, he suggests that the only reason that Job worships God and puts his faith and trust in God is because God has blessed him so much. And Satan makes this suggestion. If you will lift the hedge of protection that you have around his life, if you will lift that protection from his life, then he will curse you to your face. And what's really scary is that God obliges. And he lifts the hedge of protection. And there is not a person on this planet that faced more devastation than what Job had to go through. 
I don't know the time frame exactly, but over the next few weeks, months, maybe years, everything that this man held, held dear to his heart was affected, even with the death of his children. Life crumbled. Life fell apart. And though God did not cause it, we know that God lifted his hedge of protection and allowed the enemy to test Job. God allowed Job and his faith to be tested. Why? Why would God allow our faith to be tested? You know what this feels like. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus and everything is going just right in life, everything feels like it's planned, everything feels like it has a purpose, and you're going through life and everything is good and and you love God, you love your church, you love how you serve, and, and, and everything's just going just right, just the way you would want it to, and then all of a sudden the rug's pulled out from underneath you and life starts falling apart. And at that moment, church, you cannot say, why are you doing this to me, God? You have to understand that it is the enemy that is doing this to you. But what you can also understand is that you once had a hedge of protection around your life. And now, for some reason, it's been lifted. And why would God do that? Why would God allow our faith to be tested? And in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, God gives us the answer for this. James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The answer is this. God allows testing to mature us. There were things in Job's life that evidently needed to change. God wanted to mature him through the testing of his faith. And if we allow perseverance, if we persevere through that and and we come out on the other side, we will look at God and look at his greatness completely different. And there were things that were revealed to Job during his trial that, uh, that he would have never understood had he not gone through it. But now at the end of that, he could see God completely different. If you're being tested on your job, you have to trust that God is maturing you in your occupation. If you're being tested with your children, trust that God is maturing you as a parent and he's also maturing your children. If you're being tested in your marriage, you must trust that God is maturing, growing your marriage. And if you're being tested in your health, trust that God is maturing your faith in the one, the only one that can really heal you. God allows us to be tested to mature us. Have you ever allowed one of your children to experience a little trouble or a little pain just so that they would learn a valuable lesson and grow up a little bit? You know, you're tired of telling them that's hot. Don't touch, that's hot. And so finally you just get enough and you're like, okay. And if they touch that heart burner once, they'll never do it again, right? Some of you are like, that's horrible parenting. Just saying, they'll never do it again. Or they keep trying to pick up that, 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 that cute little dog in your house that is very ornery and doesn't want to be pet. You know, it doesn't want to be petted, it doesn't want to be touched. But they keep trying to pick that dog up anyway. And that dog is, is giving them all the warning signs, you know, you know giving them all. Uh, and, and, and finally, you're just like, I'm done telling you. They go to pick it up, and the dog snaps at them, and they never want to touch that dog again. They're scared of it now. 
They learn a lesson. Or, or maybe your children, they're running around the house with scissors in their hands, right? And That's bad parenting. Take the scissors away, church, okay? Take, don't let them learn that lesson. But God is a good father. And he does the same thing in our lives. In order to grow us and mature us, he will allow our faith to be tested. He will allow us to go through trials so that we will grow and mature and become more like Christ even through our hardships. But God does not put hardships on us, but he does allow them in order to mature us. The second fallacy in the thought that God will not give us more than we can handle is that I, say I, I have the ability to endure whatever is thrown at me. And that is simply not true. This thought process tells me that God permits trials according to my own strength. Once again, it's like us standing at the back of the car, arms out. God put all the groceries on me that you possibly can. And God only puts on you what you are able to carry under your own strength. And this is not the way that God operates because this confused mindset, it points inward and it, it exalts no one but me. Understand this, God will never share his glory with anyone. Not you, not me. He will never share his glory with anyone. And what God wants to do in our lives is he wants to be exalted in our lives. And in a world that loves self-promotion, this makes sense. That, 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 that I have the ability to overcome. I, I, don't, I don't really want to upset you today, but I want to let you know something. You have absolutely no ability at all to endure life's hardships. You don't have that ability within yourself. Because the scriptures point toward, uh, rather towards your own abilities, they point upward. Listen to what Psalm 46 and 1 says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 40 and 29 says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. You see, it's not pointing inward, it's pointing upward. It is saying that God has the ability to give you the strength to endure. God has the ability to give you the power to overcome. And God will give you more than you can handle so that his great power might be displayed in your life. You want to know why you're going through something that you simply cannot overcome? It's because God wants to give you the ability to overcome through the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. That's the reason why. And sometimes in our lives, God just needs to show up and show out. Because in that, God is the one who gets the glory. You see, some of you, you need God right now to show up and show out in your life. And when he does... You're not going to be able to, 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 to give the credit to any other human being on this planet. You will have no choice but to exalt God in that because God alone is the only one who deserves the glory. Psalm 38 and 4, the psalmist said, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. It seems by Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 he figured this out because he said, I lift my eyes to the mountains. You understand what he's saying? These obstacles in life. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where do, does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I like how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. Some of you can relate with the words of Paul this morning when he said, 
For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul said, we were so burdened that we didn't even want to live. He goes on to say in verse 9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Church, you may be in a flatline situation right now. But God has the paddles out and he's ready to resurrect your situation right back to life. And if you've had your hands on it for so long. And nothing good has come out of that. You've got to turn that over to God and say, God, I know. You're the resurrection. You're the life. Breathe life back into me, Lord. God will allow more than we can handle. (laughs) Sometimes he will allow more, way more than we can handle. But it is impossible for God to allow more than he can handle. And there were two young 20, early 20-year-olds. And there was no way out. The most helpless feeling I've ever had in my life was seeing my wife in a hospital bed. Hooked up to IVs. Milo suppressed, blood counts bottoming, bottoming out. And I'm supposed to be the man of her life and the provider for her. At that moment, you learn very quickly where your help comes from. God and God alone is the only one that gave us the strength that we needed. To overcome that trial in our lives. And God and God alone is the only one that will help you. God didn't put the burden on you. He may have allowed it. But he has the ability and the power to bring you out of it. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.